welcome in everybody to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek, your two favorite pastors, back for another episode to talk about all things youth ministry and all things... Not youth ministry. Not youth ministry. All the, all the things that, uh, all the lessons we've learned uh, that we're trying to save you from. You know, Derek, they say there's two ways to learn. Uh, you can learn by failing yourself or you can learn... Uh, by listening to other people's failures and not repeating them, and we are here to amply supply the latter. I was going to say, I feel like I do both for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we we do our fair share of uh, failure ourselves, so that yeah. other youth pastors, uh, youth leaders, parents, youth students, uh, hopefully, you guys don't can learn to. from our mistakes and don't have to fail yourself. Uh, but that's all right. Uh, well past our 100th episode at this point, episode 104, which means uh, we're basically reinventing ourselves on the fly. But uh, Derek, we wanted to revisit. Yep. Uh, before we dive into today, before we get to our quick question, we've got some old business to attend to. Yes, we do. Uh, some serious money needs to be uh, divvied out. Money needs to exchange hands. So if you if you were uh, listening to our 102nd episode, which we released shortly before the Super Bowl took place between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Derek and I took to the air and uh, made some predictions on some of the prop bets that you could bet on. Uh, in Las Vegas or or at various sports books on different, th- really silly, weird things about the Super Bowl. Not just like who wins or loses, because that's no fun. Nobody wants to bet on that. We want to bet on how long it'll take Reba McIntyre to sing the national anthem and uh, will there be a streaker on the field, all that fun stuff. Uh, and so Derek and I uh, made our predictions on how many? We had eight different yep. predictions that we made. Uh, and, and we did not know this until about five to ten minutes before we hit record this morning. That's correct. That this, this is raw findings. This is raw findings. Uh, our esteemed and uh, highly sought after video producer and and great friend of the show, <laughs> Tucker. Uh, he came into our show doc and actually made his own predictions. Uh, and, and if we weren't going to go back and and touch on these. We would have never known. <laughs> no, and I, I feel like that's what's so funny is I'm sitting here like getting everything set up, and you and you go, "Why is there a T next <laughs> next to these prop bets?" Because we had <laughs> I had gone through as we were making our predictions. I went through put K and D yep. next to whichever one we thought was going to happen, and there's all these T's in here, <laughs> and you're like, "What in the world?" And then you go, "Oh, Tucker did it." Which is, but I, he didn't tell us. I know, that which is the funniest thing. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it was a fun little treat for us this morning. Thank you, Tucker. We appreciate it. Uh, but uh, it it was a close uh, close competition between the three of us. Um, and, and I'm not gonna necessarily go in order. Uh, what I'm gonna do is is share. There were three uh, predictions that all three of us got right. Uh, we all predicted correctly. The first play of the game would be a run. Yep. Not a pass. Uh, we all predicted correctly that the first touchdown would be scored by somebody whose Jersey number was over 22 and a half, which it was scored by Christian McCaffrey, who's number 23. And we were all, uh, correct in predicting that Taylor Swift would be shown on camera more than four and a half times, which was easily, uh, that that was the easiest. I think, one I think on that here. was hit before halftime. It might have been. It was uh, there was there was a lot. Uh, and and I don't know, I don't know exactly what they're like the official. It was like from the moment the kickoff happens until the clock hits triple zeros, or if right. it included before and after coverage, halftime. Yeah. I don't think she was shown at halftime. Uh, but just but you know while the game was actually mm-hmm. being played, it was well over four and a half. Yep. And then there was one prediction that all three of us got wrong. Uh, and in hindsight, I'm kicking myself totally because uh, the over under was that Usher would play eight and a half songs. 
uh, and we all took the under. I don't know why. And I, I think it's I because think... I suggested he was going to do yeah for the entire halftime show. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I believe he played uh, like 12 or 13 songs. Now, uh, I think there was at least one. Uh, I believe the first song that Alicia Keys played was actually her song. And so, you know, if you want to count that as, as a song, you know, song played or not, but it doesn't matter. It was well over eight and a half. And I'm kicking myself because Usher has always been one of the most collaborative artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that uh, I probably should have seen, I mean, he had, I think, six different guests. I think of three off the top of my head. Yeah, Alicia Keys, Lil John, Ludacris. Uh, there was that I'm one sorry, Atlanta. Uh, All I know him as is Luda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's that one Atlanta rapper whose name escapes me. Um, her was the one that, or H E R. I don't know how you pronounce her name, but she's the one that was playing guitar. Oh uh, yeah. And uh, there was one other one uh, that I'm that I'm missing. I don't remember who was, but, uh, I believe there were six. And so it, uh, yeah, it was, I, it was a really good show. I actually really enjoyed it, but, uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. I was inspired by his outfits. I, uh, for next year for Halloween, I plan to go as Usher. And so I'm just going to wear white pants and that's it. Please do. No shirt. I love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please don't trick or treat in my neighborhood. Uh, isn't he a pastor somewhere? <laughs> Did you see he also got married? Like, after the show. I'm sorry, what? So he has been with uh, his, uh, I guess now wife, for a lo- like basically his whole career. And I can't pronounce her. I should look it up because her name is impossible to pronounce. Uh, so Usher marries longtime girlfriend in Las Vegas uh, after the Super Bowl. His uh, girlfriend's name is Jennifer Goichichia. Sounds like you nailed that. G-O-I- C O E C H E A. Goichichia? That's. Goichichia? There's no way that's right. There's no way it's right. Uh, we'll call her Jennifer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just call her Jenny. Her, her name is now Jennifer Usher. <laughs> What's Usher's real name? Can you look that up for um, me? Okay, I look up pronunciation first. It's Goichichia. I was pretty close. Yeah, you were. You were. I'll take that. And uh, Usher's real name, what do we got for that? I'm going to say Dan Ryans. Dan Ryans. That was probably not right. Uh, Usher, whose full name is Usher Raymond the Fourth. So, huh, way okay. Wrong. His name is actually Usher. Which is was, sick. Do you think that he was born like that? I mean, I'd assume so, yeah. It's, he's the fourth. So, that's Usher true. Raymond that's, the Fourth. That's true. That's true. <laughs> If he changed his name to that, that's a bold move. Too. You guys are thinking about, or not thinking about, you guys are uh, getting a second dog, right? Yep. How, how do you feel about Usher for the name of your second dog? I'm, sure. I'm I, down I for think that. it's great. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> back to the prop bets. Uh, so we, we, uh, we were betting on how long Reba McIntyre would take to sing the national anthem. Derek and I both said over. Tucker said under a minute and a half, and uh, she did go over by about five seconds. Uh, who will win the opening coin toss? Myself and Tucker got that one right, picking the Chiefs. And then which team will score first? Tucker and Derek pick correctly picked the 49ers. And so with all seven of those bets, uh, we were all tied with five correct answers, and I cannot believe it came down to this. <laughs> Will an unauthorized person enter the field of play? Tucker and I said no. Derek said yes. Yeah, and baby. With that streaker, Derek wins. How does it feel? Put my faith in a streaker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it feels good, but you know it, it does feel good to to take the dub, especially for we're all competitive people. You, me, and Tucker, and we. I feel like we have a pretty good grasp on sports and so it feels good to stand on top i will also say being an assemblies of god minister i am prohibited from actually making any bets but if i were i would have walked out of vegas with some money six out of eight correct is is a is a good day for sure that's true you uh you took home the bag uh props to to derek pun intended uh, and, and it does feel appropriate to put the disclaimer on here that there was absolutely zero financial gains or losses exchanged. Uh, we did not actually bet on this, but, uh, it's fun to talk about and, uh, 
props to Derek for uh, for taking the dub there. But uh, that's you. not uh, that's not what most of our listeners are here to hear. But uh, we just wanted to follow up on that. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, we've got a full episode to get to, uh, talking about some youngins. Youngins, uh, Kyle. With that in mind, uh, I have to ask you: When has a youth student made you feel old? That's our quick question of the day. When has a youth student made you feel old? Yeah. So uh, I th- I feel like I shared this on the podcast not too long ago. Uh, there was a youth student uh, with the recent release of the Mean Girls remake that uh, that said, yeah, it'll be really nice to have if, like for them to make that movie with actual famous people in it. Uh, and you and I talked on the on that episode about how that made us feel old because like we thought that Lindsay Lohan, among others, was considered famous, but uh, this generation doesn't think so. Uh, I also had, I, I actually had a recent situation where a youth student made me feel awkwardly young uh, <laughs> because we like, this is, this is not a surprise to adults most of the time, but you know, you grow up in a house that, that your parents more often than not own. Yep. And when you get out on your own, you start looking at houses and you realize that when you are 21, you cannot come close to affording the house that your parents own in their fifties. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have spent their entire life owning and, and, you know, selling and buying a new property, whatever. And so a lot of times when you start out young, you've got like, you know, it's, it's the classic, I'm going to buy like a fixer upper and, and cause that's all I can afford and, and live in it and, uh, try to make the best of the situation. And I had a youth student, uh, who was talking about how their parents had just bought a new car and uh, I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, and, and I had actually seen that, that her parents had bought a car. And I was like, yeah, I can't. Like, we're talking different tax bracket uh-huh. here. Like, uh-huh. I, I can't afford that car I can't afford in my the, wildest the dreams. The ball bearings on that vehicle. Right. Yeah. And, and the comment she made was, like, they got a good deal. It was only $30,000. And I was like, listen, I... I don't have that kind of cash lying around. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not like, like that's not in my back pocket. Yep. Uh, I just, it, it wasn't the stage of life that I was at, um, nor is it the stage of life I'm still at. Uh, and I just, a part of that goes into like, I couldn't care less what kind of car I drive. That's like some people like, yeah, I enjoy having a car. I, I use it like, you know, you have a truck, but mm-hmm. you go hunting. And so there's practical applications to that. I drive a 2007 Chevy Impala with 238,000 <laughs> miles on it because I don't care. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got heated seats. I feel like I'm oh, driving in luxury. Nice. So I, <laughs> it works for me. Uh, but yeah, that uh, the the Mean Girls reference. Uh, oh, that was the other one that I was going to mention. Uh, and and these were actually both conversations with my wife, uh, who's younger than me. But uh, I we had a one of our youth leaders uh, was talking to my wife once and asked her when what or she asked her what year she graduated high school. And so my wife was like, "Oh, I graduated high school, you know, this year." And, and the youth student looked at her and said, "Does that mean that you were born in the nineties?" <laughs> <laughs> as if it's so <laughs> so like, long ago yes i was born in the 1900s thank yeah. you very much uh-huh. i will own that uh so yeah what about you have, have you had a a situation where a student made you feel really old uh, a few times the first one was this um i i had done something where it's like who was you know i can't remember how it came up but i kind of came to the conclusion that every single person in this room was born after 2000. Yep. And it's like, what in the world? Which isn't like that crazy because we were born in me 95, you 94, right? Yep. So like, it's, it's like, that's not a huge stretch. But here's when I was like, are you kidding me? We were playing Disney trivia for a youth game once. Yeah. And like, it was one of those things like where the clues get more obvious. Sure. As it goes along. And so we got to the final clue and they still didn't get it. And I said, Tarzan and everyone's like oh my gosh what's Tarzan I'm like are you kidding me Tarzan you don't know the movie Tarzan like that like Phil Collins yeah probably one of his keynote (laughs) films of all time just for the record I'm fairly confident that none of our youth students know who Phil Collins is (laughs) 
<laughs> That's fair. I'm gonna ask. We're recording this on a Wednesday morning. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna ask some of you students tonight if they know who Phil Collins is, and and I'll probably be depressed by the answer. But y'all have never heard drum fills better than oh my, my boy Phil Collins. We, we really should put like a, a reel out there, like an Instagram survey saying like, do you know who Phil Collins is without looking it up and see mm-hmm. what our answers are. Yeah, we also, speaking of that, uh, we have a um, AMA episode that we're going to be doing upcoming uh, where we are going to a- answer listener questions about anything, youth mm-hmm. ministry related or not youth ministry related, whatever you want to ask, we will answer. Uh, and so you can submit those questions by uh, going to, by emailing us, uh, how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. Uh, but that's a really long email, and I don't know why we made that. And so if you just go to Instagram and find our Instagram account, how not underscore YP, uh, you can, uh, we'll, we'll have a reel on there. You can, uh, DM us, uh, ask whatever question you want. And, uh, and we'll it's like you said, it's anything. It can be literally youth related. It can be sports related. It can be leadership. It can be personal. Any single question you can come up with, we will look at it. Just also understand. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say there has to be a little bit of a disclaimer that, you know, we will get to choose which yeah. questions we do and do not answer. But at the same time, you're talking to two youth pastors at heart. And Who so, enjoy a little like, bit of... I, I do think that there's pretty much any question is on the table. Uh, and uh, we look forward to hearing what you guys can come up with. So uh, definitely go check that out. All right, are we ready? I think we're ready. What's, to, what's our uh, timestamp on sixteen minutes? Wow, that, I think that that's an all timer for us, Kyle. Uh, it might be. I'm, we I'm, had a, we had a lot of really important stuff to talk about at the beginning of this did. episode. We did, and uh, I feel like it's only right that we announce our sponsor. Today. Obviously, uh, huge friends of the show, big contributors to our podcast. Huge is an understatement. Tyndale Publishing, which uh, is the publisher of my. Life Application Study Bible that is well-seasoned uh, going on uh, since I, ha- I had it since 2013. So we're going on 15 years of daily use. And uh, Tyndale, great friend of the show, thank you for making high-quality study Bibles that have quite literally <laughs> shaped my spiritual transformation. Uh, you know, we also could give a shout-out to God for inspiring the writers of the Bible because uh, that's probably a greater sponsor. But in any case, Tyndale, thank you for making it all pretty and coordinated and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's that's probably a good point. Uh, Tyndale has been around since 1962. So Come on, great uh, friend to the show. Appreciate, appreciate them. Uh, anybody who prints the Bible... Let me rephrase that. Anybody that prints the true Bible, uh, good friends of the show. Yeah. Uh, if if you're not aware, uh, and we, I don't think that we've really talked about this on the podcast, because why would we? But uh, the country of China is actually coming out with their own translation of the Bible for really? their uh, for their country, and uh, it is wrought with, um, let's call it their own take on various stories uh it is definitely not the actual bible and so let's uh let's be praying for the country of china uh not where i thought this episode was going but uh encourage you guys to uh to be praying for the church in china because uh they are they, there's a whole church in china worshiping god based on an incorrect translation of the bible mm-hmm. Which is not great. So yeah. thank you to uh, companies like Tyndale and uh, Zondervan. Zondervan, who I believe published the Bible that I have. Uh, Looking at one right now across there you the go. way. Yeah. So appreciate it. All righty. Well, let's jump into our episode today. We are going to talk about Generation Alpha or Gen Alpha, if you want to call them that. Because Kyle and I are both millennials. Granted, we are on the tail end of the millennial. Uh, Range, yeah, I guess that you guess you could say that, but I feel like with how you and I live and interact, we definitely fit into the millennial characteristics, and as such, for the most part, we have been pastoring Generation Z, and we've talked about that on this podcast. We've referenced that on this podcast. It's something we talk about outside of recording time. What are the you know ticks of Generation Z and all the things that go with it? Now, here's what's crazy to think about. This year actually marks the beginning of a change in the youth ministry world with the onslaught of Generation Alpha. And here's why that's significant, because Generation Alpha is considered anyone born in 2010 to now. So Kyle and I both have children. They would 
be considered Generation Alpha. Now, granted, our kids aren't necessarily relevant to youth ministry yet. However, like we said, 2010 to current. So what that means is your 13 and 14-year-olds, which would be 8th-ish graders, 7th, 8th, ninth, depending on how they yep. shake out, um, they're in your youth ministry. They are the beginning of this thing called Generation Alpha. And so there is there is some newness that kind of comes with a different generation. There's different characteristics. There's different things that define them. And here's how I personally see uh, generational things, Kyle. I'd be curious to know your take on this. While they kind of paint broad brush strokes and they can be very insightful, very helpful, they also, with anything like this, they can't necessarily just be law and fact for every single person. Like they're pretty good benchmarks, they're pretty good indicators, but they are not law. And so just understand that as we go through this today as well. But let's talk about them. Yeah, Who- I think that uh, just real quick to, um, you know, maybe ratify your uh your point there my wife is technically uh gen z Mm because she was born in 1997 generally 96 is the cutoff uh but characteristically and and you know just as from a personality standpoint she's absolutely a millennial yep uh and and you'll see you know when there's that there's kind of age gaps um you know, in, in some of these or, or crossover uh, where like, hey, somebody born in uh, 2011 to, you know, 2010 to 2014 or 15 might fall into the, the difference between Gen Z and Alpha uh, blurs a little bit yep. at those lines. And so, like Derek said, like these are general characteristics. Um, and a lot of times these are, they, they have to do with external circumstances. Uh, in general, Generations, uh, you know that the window for different generations is about fifteen years, give yep. or take. Uh, you know, Gen X would be those. So, baby boomers are for nineteen forty six to nineteen sixty four. Uh, and I'm just going off of the first website I pulled up. These different websites that you can find, the years will shift a little bit. Yeah, but, but usually uh, one or two years at the most. You know, that's an eighteen year gap right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gen X nineteen sixty five to nineteen eighty, uh, which is a fifteen year window. Millennials nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety six. Again, fifteen years. Gen Z nineteen ninety six to two thousand twelve. Uh, which quick math is 16 years, and then Gen Alpha is 2013 to 2025. Uh, that that might you know in theory that could get pushed out a little bit further, but uh, you know this is where we're at right now. So yeah. it's basically 2013 to the present. Uh, a lot of time, like Gen Z or, or Gen Z, you look at uh, as. I mentioned life experience being a a marker in some of these. Uh, Gen Z grew up with the internet always around. Yep. But the other thing with Gen Z is that uh, I don't think that anybody that's truly a, in Gen Z has a an actual memory from nine eleven. Right. Uh, you know that's one of the things, at least in America, that helps define that difference between millennials and Gen Z. Yep. Uh, and, and you can go back further, um, you know, with other world events around these timelines. And I believe that as we continue on in the future, the amount of years that is each generation is defined by is going to shrink. I actually, totally. I actually think that you can make an argument that generation alpha uh, should be a much shorter generation, uh-huh. almost like a seven or eight year generation. And the reason is I would argue that another, like whatever, you know, generation beta or whatever generation is going to yep. come after gen alpha. I believe should, gamma is next. I don't is know it why. Gamma? I believe I, so. That's so weird. Who decides these things? Uh, whatever generation comes next should be the f- like the oldest kids were not in school when COVID hit. I, like yep. the oldest kids of the next generation did not have any distance learning. Mm-hmm. That that I truly think should be uh, 
the window for Gen Alpha. I don't get to decide these things. Yeah. So who knows? But uh, that's Kyle's take on and it. And I love that you said that because as much as it is kind of a 15-year window, if you will, a lot of things I've looked at is there's some distinguishing factors that are kind of like this is what makes or this this event, this invention, this cultural shift on a worldwide scale this is what was the catalyst for this generation. And we even see that with Generation Alpha, which we're going to get to in just a second. But here's what's kind of, here's some distinguishing factors um, that makes Generation Alpha, Generation Alpha. We're going to talk about characteristics here in just a moment. But um, when you look at Generation Alpha as a whole, here's what we're working with. They are parented by Generation Y, which if you're like, what's Generation Y? Millennials, right? Like it was... Baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen... That makes sense to me. Like, that, okay, finally, we're finding <laughs> we're finding a, a thing here. But they are parented by millennials. Again, case in point, Kyle and I each have children. We are millennials. We are parenting Generation Alpha. Here's where it starts to get a little wild. Generation Alpha projected... This is by McCrindle, by the way, who's a researching... Th- big study that went on Generation Alpha. They project that... 2.8 million people that would be considered Generation Alpha are born weekly around the globe. 2.8 million people per week. That's a lot of kids. That's, that's, a lot of that's kids. taking Be Fruitful Multiply to uh, a literal level, which is good. Here's why that's significant. By 2025, which is already next year, Generation Alpha should be the largest generation in human history, but they projected 2 billion people in it. Uh, For context, I I looked at some loose numbers last night. Uh, Generation, I believe it's, I can't remember if it's millennials or Gen Z and baby boomers were within like 1 million of each other. We had about like 75 million in that generation. So we're talking about this. That is, math doesn't make sense. I know. I, I it, seventy-five million in each generation. Yeah. How do we get to seven billion? That that I, I, right, and that that's why I I. But you also have to think about boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, and so. Full disclosure, I didn't do like a full-on in-depth study of was it. it. Maybe were, are you talking the world or just the United States? Because if it was just the United States, those numbers actually probably right. And it really probably well. was okay. It probably was. Um, but regardless, I mean, something that is universally known is Generation Alpha will be the biggest of of all time, mm-hmm. just because people are having babies. They're going to surpass the baby boomers. Did you find it out? Uh, I did, yeah. It's within the U.S. Um, okay. The millennials have seventy-two point one million. Yep. Uh, boomers have seventy-one point six million. Yeah. So yeah, well, they, I mean they were right there. Um, but which actually, you know, again that kind of makes sense because Gen X is down at sixty-five point two million, a little bit lower. Yep. But it makes sense when you think about like boomers are the ones that primarily uh, raised millennials. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like it kind of, you know, is every other generation is raising each other kind of thing. And so if the if the boomers are the ones raising millennials to some extent, then you've got... It, it'd be the latter part of baby boomers, but um, that's where, it, you know, there's more baby boomers, so then there's more millennials. Yeah. Yep. And uh, then the millennials are the ones you know, parenting Gen, Gen Alpha. Alpha. So there's more of Gen Alpha. And that's why like this is this next part is fun because this this is kind of a comparison of what was what was kind of big for millennials and what's big oh, for geez. Generation Alpha. So um if our listeners didn't feel old yet, they're about to I know. I th- th- these are the things that I was like that actually kind of makes sense. So here we go. What makes millennials like what was popular millennials? What is it going to be really enjoyable? What is fun for or what was common for Generation Alpha? Millennials, we grew up with the Discman, the Discman, however you want to pronounce it, a CD player on the go. 
plugged your headphones in. Dude, those were revolutionary. I'm telling you, it was it was awesome. Like we're past the cassette tape, we're past the Walkman. This is the disc man where you have a portable CD player on the go for easy listening. Generation Alpha grew up with iPhones. You mean Androids? Nope. iPhones. Which is crazy to think about the fact that like they don't know a life outside of an iPhone, like flip phones, Nokia bricks, like all those things are, are well, those are relics to Mm -hmm. generation alpha. Here's the part that like really made me sad. Millennials, Nintendo 64, baby. Mm -hmm. You had to blow in the cartridge whenever it wasn't working right, slam it in there to make sure it was working properly. That's what we grew up on. James Bond, Super Mario Bros, all those things. Mm. Generation Alpha, their claim to fame is Fortnite on any device. Console, iPhone, Android, if you will. Whatever you want to do, Fortnite is the thing. Do you play Fortnite? No. I am so bad. I've played a few times, and I'm so bad that I kind of just like... Stop doing it. I just, I, I just stop. I'm like, I, I can't even do this. I'll go through the next ones fast. It's embarrassing. They're, they're not overly uh, revolutionary. Millennials grew up on broadcasts. You know, whether it's you tune into a certain broadcast or you have to sit by the TV and wait for it to come on. Gen Alpha is all about streaming. They can stream anything they want anytime, and it's accessible. Millennials, MSN Messenger or AIM, if you grew up with that one, uh, Instant Messenger. Alpha has Snapchat, which I think every one of our students uses probably hundreds of times per day. Mm-hmm. And the last one, uh, this 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 brought me back, Kyle, when I read this one. Gangnam Style, when that was kind of the viral video. And for Generation Alpha, something I continually hear almost every other day, Baby Shark. Do, 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 do. Do you have Baby Shark in your household? We do. We have a playlist on Spotify of uh, just songs that our daughter really likes, and uh, and she'll like dance to. And Baby Shark is on the playlist. Um, she, honestly, one of her favorite genres of music music is Spanish, uh, like Solid. Spanish songs she enjoys. And so, but uh, yeah, Baby Shark is for sure on the list. Uh, and, and it's been. I mean, we could go on and on with this, but. Uh, the, our point is the differences it like technology and the rapid, uh, changes in technology is, is going to be something that is widely, uh, like this is, this is, this is why generations in my opinion are getting shorter and shorter. Uh, you know, the other, we mentioned, uh, COVID being a big marker in between gen alpha and the next generation, uh, AI is probably another one on that list where you're going to have a generation growing up where AI is uh, something that's widely integrated yep. uh, into not just you know trying to pass AI as homework, but uh, which there's going to be so much more like oral testing in the future. There has to be, yeah, because you can't trust papers anymore. That are that are written by quote unquote students. Yeah. Uh yeah, they're like oral testing is gonna become much more prevalent in schools. Which but I'm all for. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But uh anyways, <laughs> um that's not uh that's not primarily what uh what we're here to talk about. A- AI and uh, <laughs> how to cheat in school. <laughs> we could. But uh there's a there's a interesting We'll we'll do we'll do an episode on AI. That oh, that actually be a good idea anyway. But uh, I I did is a couple it, weeks ago. I got bored and had AI write a short sermon for me, and it was hilarious. I was I was gonna say, is it bad that I've like never used it? Like I can honestly say I don't know if I've ever used. I've, I mean, to I've my knowledge, anyway. It, yeah, I have never used it like for a legitimate purpose. Sure. I only ever use it when I'm goofing around. Yeah. Like I had it write a short sermon. I, I just laughed at it and thought it was funny. I didn't like preach oh, it yeah. on Wednesday night. I think it'd be awesome uh, if you did <laughs> I it could. I could I could absolutely, you know, you you could take that and turn it into a sermon pretty easily. But uh there's other so looking specifically at Generation Alpha, uh we want to kind of dive into some of the characteristics of gen alpha because every generation has things that uh 
kind of define them. Yep. You could even look at, uh, if you look at one of the biggest differences between Gen X and millennials, uh, like Gen X were like, you know, go play in the street come home when the lights when the street lights come on kind of thing yep. uh you know you're down at the park a mile away you're dri- riding your bike all over the neighborhood uh with millennials that changed and uh and with gen z and gen alpha that's not even a prayer mm-hmm. uh and so there are there are things with uh with different generations that are are different and speaking of technology i think one of the one of the biggest things with gen alpha is uh what's known as the great screen age uh, the iPad, which came out in 2010, yep. which is another thing that makes me feel old. Uh, that with, with, with the iPad kind of revolutionizing, uh, home computers essentially. And, and Hey kid, just here, keep yourself entertained and stop bugging me. Yep. Uh, that be kids had screens in their lives much sooner, uh, for gen alpha than any other generation before them. Uh, and, and with all of the things that we're going to talk about here, I think there's pros and cons to both. Totally. Right? And so, like, pro of these screens, kids are tech savvy. It's crazy. Far more than any other generation. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, learning opportunities that are found in the... Like, they're just smarter in general, mm-hmm. I think, right? Uh, on the other side of that... Uh, the fact that, and every youth pastor has seen this, it feels like every sixth grade class that comes into our youth ministry has a shorter and shorter attention span mm-hmm. uh, than the class before them. And, and it's like, have you seen, you've, I, I have to imagine that that's not just me. Like every youth pastor. Oh, seen absolutely. That? I mean, I've seen that in non youth kids, you know, yeah. too, where it's like, Fourth graders are that way. Fifth graders are that way. But yeah, I mean, totally. They every incoming class has just it takes more and more to keep their attention for longer periods of time, which is saying something because <laughs> going back generation, sixth graders won't be the typical. Yeah, we can sit down, listen to a message for twenty minutes, and be perfectly still and quiet. Yeah, that's true. Uh, another thing that uh, that is a characteristic of Gen Alpha is that they are. Uh, more materially endowed, uh, they have more stuff. <laughs> Basically, yeah. they, uh, you know, all the statistics point to people getting married at older and older ages. Yep. Which generally tends to mean that they are wealthier when they get married. Yep. Uh, going back to what we talked about earlier, <laughs> didn't plan on that, but when you, uh, the the longer you live, the more wealth you tend to accrue. And so if you get married later in life, you start having kids later in life, you have more money uh, at those points. Not to mention, typically and statistically speaking as a whole, millennials are having less kids than generations before them. Good point. You know, so it's when you have more money and less mouths to feed or less places to spend it, you just naturally start to buy your kids the things that they want. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's pros to that. Uh, you know, the the security uh, that that families can, uh, you know, there there are le- fewer provision issues mm-hmm. in general when you get married later, when you have smaller families. Uh, you know, you can there. There's more to go around within the family. Uh, in general, this is obviously not true of everybody. Uh, there are some cons, though, Derek. Yep. Do you want me to do? You want me to? Uh, well, yeah. I, I'd love for you to share how you put this in here because <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Full disclosure: I put this in here for shock factor for you. I, I, I want you to see this. <laughs> uh, I put entitled brats, uh, which I <laughs> I do not actually mean. I just did it for shock factor. But uh, let, there's a little truth in let's every. Let's be honest. I mean, there is a sense of entitlement that that comes with this, and. I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse here, but there's there's a lot of reasons that are kind of built into this entitled brats. It's not just that they are well materially endowed. There's also just some social things that kind of contribute to that. But it's it's one of those things where you need to tread very carefully with with this because you don't want to squash people. 
but there is a level of wall that you have to break down as a youth pastor going, not everybody does have what you have and you're not entitled to every single thing you want. And that kind of goes back to screens too. Everything, when you have a screen and kids are used to that, like you'll laugh at this, Kyle. We, my kids are five and three. So we don't have cable because LOL, cable is insanely expensive. Who could afford cable? Well, okay. Who could afford cable is what a lot of people say. And then they shell out $100 a month paying for various streaming services. Or more. Or more. And so there is a little bit of tongue in cheek to that. I, I personally do not spend $100 in streaming services, but a lot of people who say that do. Or and, more. And it's yeah. kind of it's kind of funny. Yeah. this If this doesn't describe Generation Alpha, I don't know what does because my kids, my, my son's five years old. He knows what shows are and what streaming services. So if you know if you want, yep. if he wants Pokemon, he goes to Netflix. If he wants, um, you know, you name the show, he knows what provider it's in and he knows how to, we lost our Roku remote. <laughs> because they're tiny. Yeah, I don't blame you. And so he knows how to go onto my phone, navigate to my app on my phone, yep. go to the app, you know, and start navigating. So it's just tech savvy again. But- I'll say, uh, so there are two, our daughter just turned one a few weeks ago, and uh, there's two shows that will... I mean, I'll, I say there's two shows she watches, but at that age, there's two shows we let her watch. Mm-hmm. She's not, you know, asking for these, let alone finding them herself. Uh, Bluey, obviously, because it's Naturally. the greatest kids show ever. Yep. Um, it's right up there with Arthur and the Magic School totally. Bus. Totally. Uh, um, the other, uh, oh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Never oh, watched it. Really? Nope. Oh man, R.I.P. Uh, he was he was a stud. Um, but the other, the other show that she absolutely loves to watch is America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, legendary. Because she loves how much clapping, uh, is in it. Uh-huh. And also sometimes there's animals. Which and, she, and she likes wrong. to see, she likes to see the animals. But I bring that up to say both of those are on Disney Plus. Yep. And so when she sees the, the Disney Plus logo come up because we press the button, she gets excited because oh, she totally. knows that one of those two shows is coming up. Because they're used to streaming, right? So yeah. they don't they don't understand the concept of it. So we're at we're at family Christmas this this year, just a few months ago, and there was a TV there and PBS was on. And so my son requested a certain show and could not wrap, wrap his <laughs> mind around the fact that we can't watch this show because it doesn't have streaming capability. It's just yep. it's public television. And not that he made a big stink about it, but like he was bummed because he wanted this right now. And there is that sense of entitlement, which can be tough to navigate. So they're not all brats, but there is a lot of entitlement that comes with it. Here's another thing, though, that that Generation Alpha also navigates. They are very culturally diverse. Uh, Diversity is something that we immediately typically think of race when we think of diversity. But I mean this on a a general sense. Uh, If you think about it, one one of the distinguishing factors in terms of diversity that Kyle and I lived through is um, same-sex marriage was legalized in our in our in the millennial generation. Yeah, I actually got to vote on that. Yeah. Uh, when I was a senior in high school in the state of Minnesota. But you think about two generations later, we're long past that vote being passed. So mm. now that's in that's in TV shows, that's in cartoons, and I'm not here to to pitch a pitch a tent on on that topic individually, but my point is there's just a lot of diversity in terms of sexual identity race, uh, preference. Like there, there is a lot of diversity in our world right now that our kids are being born into and that's just common to them then, right? Like there, there is a lot of diversity in every single thing. I mean, even think about, let's talk about sexual identity for a second. Think about the diversity in that topic alone, in terms of the genders, in terms of the preferences, in terms of all the things that go along with that. There's just a lot of things. So the pros to that are they're more empathetic. They're more understanding. They're more just that heart of the gospel compassion, which is really, really good. The con to that is truth is no longer absolute to generation alpha. Truth is very relative. It's I need to come to a conclusion as to what I think truth is. Like how often have we heard, find your truth, 
Like find your truth, find the truth that makes sense to you. Truth is more relative. And as people who believe in the truth of the gospel and truth and absolute truth that in, in God, that is, that's something we're going to have to navigate is absolute truth. <laughs> right. They are, when you have a whole bunch of people coming from different backgrounds, it becomes, uh, it becomes, you know, what do you, you know, you believe this, you believe this, you believe that you see the world this way, you see the world this mm-hmm. way. And when you are unable to separate the opinions of others from your, almost from their value. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think that this one starts with the, social instruction that in order to show that you value someone, you have to celebrate who they are as a, as a person and, and all the decisions they make, the, and the what culture they, they come from, what they believe that that comes with that. And, and when that's the case, then, then you start to, like Derek said, get all of these different where where truth is more of a relative thing and there are fewer things that we would say as a society as a whole are are more absolute truths i i agree with that yeah um another one uh would be this is i think the last one on our list here is that uh generation alpha and we hinted at this a couple times it tends to express characteristics of being slightly socially stunted and COVID is the obvious uh, root <laughs> at the bottom of this one. Uh, when when you had for you know for for most pretty much every kid had a minimum of three or four months of their school that they were remote learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, some students, it was more. I mean, you had areas of the country, areas you had areas of the country in the United States where it was over a year. Uh, I know that Panama as a country was a little over two years Mm -hmm. uh, where they were social, social learn or uh, online learning. And so that's where you have an entire generation. I mean, I saw kids in our youth ministry socially regress just over, over the COVID period. You know, when I saw them in February, I, you know, we were not in person. We were still trying to do what we could. They came back in the fall and they were socially further behind than where they were yeah. in, back in February. It's crazy. And so th- like there, we could point to a lot of cons to this. Uh, you know, it, it's tough for, and, and, just beyond COVID, you look at the role that technology plays in their lives. Oh, absolutely. It makes it very, very difficult for them to make those interpersonal, in-person interpersonal connections, uh, striking up a conversation and, and having a uh, just a social conversation is harder uh, and, and rarer. Uh, and you also sometimes this equates to students not seeing a, or this generation not seeing a need to attend church in person where if, which the logic is actually pretty sound on this. If the primary reason to go to church is to, you know, worship God and hear a message, COVID taught us that every church has a message. Mm Mm-hmm. And COVID taught us it's impossible to worship online. Uh, Like I, someone please message us and admit that you were like full on, you know, like filled with the Holy spirit worshiping to your church's live stream in your living room because less than 1% of less than 1% of people were doing that in my opinion. Uh, but Spotify, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do think that like having worship music on and, and, and worshiping in Spotify, I think some people uh, did that to, to great success in their personal walk. Uh, but from the sermon aspect, every church has a sermon and 99% of churches are live streaming their sermons at a higher quality than your church. Uh, and, and I say your church, not yours specifically, Derek, but speaking to listeners, like yep. there are so many churches whose sermons are 
crisper, our higher video quality, higher audio quality, uh, more time has been put into that sermon than what your pastor, single pastor could do, because uh, they've got a whole team putting time into that sermon. And so it's a higher quality sermon than what your pastor might do on a Sunday morning. Yep. And that creates, well, I could, I'll just watch church online and yep. I don't need to be in person uh, at church. And I say this one very carefully because what I'm about to say, I'm not a hypocrite because I do this for myself. But like as someone who works in a church, I find the value in going to church for myself personally. But as a pastor, I can't always do that unless I'm off on a Sunday. So a lot of times I will listen to podcasts or listen to sermons from pastors that I look up to across the country and I watch their services and they do it at a very high quality. The problem I've seen is when you have family A, who fell in love with church across the country. And so even though they live 10 minutes from their local church, they'd rather just go to that one now. I, the- I actually had a family who, the family did not attend our church, but the youth students, youth age students did. And they moved from Minnesota to California wow. to be a part of the church that they had been watching online. And like that, I'm okay. like, if that's what you feel called to do, that that's that's right. Cool. But that's not what we're talking about. No, here. <laughs> like I'm, we're, we're talking about you are are missing because here's what I'll say is you mentioned it, Kyle. If your desire to go to church is to intake spiritual knowledge and worship, that's great. Which that is part of it. It is, but there's also a massive component that you're leaving out, which yep. is community. Like yep. that is like. How clear is scripture on that? Don't give up meeting together. Where two or three are gathered, my name, there I am with them. Like the whole premise of the gospel is built on community and being with other people. And that's what you miss by going online. And so I'm not here to say like, if you miss church a couple times a month that you're doing something horrible. I'm just saying like, there is more to that and, and we're seeing the effects of that. And so it raised the million dollar question. Okay. Like there's, like you said, there are pros and cons to both and that's great. But on a very practical level, how do we pastor them? Because like you said, we might, your 13, 14 year olds might be considered generation alpha, but you probably won't see the true generation alpha for another three or four years, you know, coming through your doors when that, when that transition officially takes place. I wonder if you'll see a little bit of association shift. The current the current oldest couple grades of Gen Alpha are in youth group, but mm-hmm. they're in youth group with Gen Z kids. Yep. And so they tend to display characteristics that are a little bit more Gen Z-ish. Yeah. Uh, even though there is that gray area, when they get to be juniors and seniors and the entire youth ministry is Gen Alpha, yep. I wonder if their characteristics are going to shift a little bit to match more of what's on this list yep. because of the... you know Who they're the, following. They're all their peers and the people that hang out with the most, the people that they're around the most are all Gen Alpha. Yeah, which I think is probably very much the case. I'm sure we're seeing that right now with your older Gen Zs following millennials and everything else. So that said, we might be a little bit ways away from this, but how, when we get there, like what does that look like? And I think there are a few things we can look at. And the first one is this, like leverage their strengths and don't fight against them. Your generation alpha are incredibly gifted in technology. That, that's their, that is their, that is their distinguishing factor is they are very, very technologically savvy. And so instead of fighting that, instead of trying to rip the screen out of their hand and get them off their phones and do all those other things, leverage it and like, let them use their strengths to glorify God. You, you great with tech? Yo, we need help with videography. Can you, can you, film our Wednesday night and, and do something cool to, to help us show what happens here? Absolutely. You're really good on, on your iPad. You're really good on your computer. Would you be able to create some graphics for us so I don't have to do it that week? Like, Show them how they can use their strengths to honor the Lord. Heck, like social media is their playground. Like That's what they're going to grow up using. Do you know what churches need way more of? Good social media. Not, not junky stuff, but stuff that actually reaches people. That is the largest intake information for people of all ages right now. Not the news, not a billboard at church, social media. So get someone who 
literally grew up in social media, running your social account and watch what happens. And they're going to, they're going to find themselves more engaged in church, more engaged in the mission of what's happening. And they're going to feel personally fulfilled as they're using their God given gifts for him. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the and and that's this is not Gen Alpha specific either. They that is a principle that every older generation should look at younger generations with. Yep, uh, like they have strengths, leverage them. Uh, the Word of God. We I feel like we on this podcast talk about biblical literacy. We talk about the importance of of the Bible mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, and so we're going to do it again because why not? <laughs> um, it's, it's one of our brands at this point. Uh, if truth is relative in culture, then we need to raise a generation that understands that truth is anything but relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not just, not just trying to shout at them. Here's what truth really is, but teaching them how to find truth uh, you know, everybody is shouting at them. Here's what truth is. We need to actually teach students how to find truth. I, whenever students tell me like, oh, I have this question in my faith. I have this question about the Bible. I could not encourage them more to dive in and figure it out mm-hmm. because I trust in my God that he is going to be the answer at the end of the search path. Yep. Uh, I, I trust that he is going to be there if they are searching honestly. Yep. And so I'm going to encourage them to search honestly. I'm going to equip them with tools to do so. And when when students experience that, when students have a question, experience the the journey of finding the answer themselves, I, I know that God's going to be at the, at the end of that search, and then it's going to pique their curiosity more and more, and they're going to want to dive into further questions that they have. It's going to strengthen their faith. And so teaching students how to read the Bible and how to find answers for the questions they have uh, is going to be the best tool we can have to combating relative truth. And that's what's going to stick for them. If you just tell them what truth is, they might hold on to it for a month. But then when they find a different truth that makes more sense, that'll be their new truth. But if they come to that conclusion themselves and they find it themselves, that's a conviction that now they are living and standing behind. And you're you're spot on on that one. The next one is this. You got to stretch them, but you got to do it gently. And what I mean by that is they have short attention spans. Do you know what you should not do? Just continue to feed into that, right? Like, like you have to understand that they do have short attention spans, but don't just accept that as fact and all of a sudden go, now I need to speed these things up so we can, I need to make my messages shorter. I need to do this uh, quicker so that I don't lose them. You got to stretch them a little bit in the art of slowing down because at some point, you can only go so fast. And at some point you are going to go so fast that you crash and burn. So what I would encourage you to do is stretch them to step outside of their comfort zone and just chill, right? Like it's going to take some time. It's going to take some practice. It's going to take some pushback on their part, but you have to show them the art of to take what Martha and Mary and take that story here again Teach them the art of just sitting at Jesus' feet. And you can build that into your Wednesday nights. You can build that into just having time set aside where they just sit in silence because that's another thing they don't do a whole lot of. But you have to give them opportunities to stretch, but also do it in such a way that you're not beating them over the head with it. You're not saying, here, we're going to do a silent retreat for an hour. Like that's not going to work. That's going to break them. They're going to they're gonna give up and it's not going to work but give them opportunities to slowly stretch in the art of slowing down, listening, and just being in the presence of God without any other distractions. Yeah. I I think that each generation sees the differences in, for in subsequent generations as weaknesses, all the differences are weaknesses. Yeah. We said earlier, like they have strengths. You need to leverage those. But they do also, like, there are going to be some weaknesses in mm-hmm. each generation. And where you know they have a weakness, gently push back against it. And yep. the attention spans is one of those. Um, we talked earlier about cultural, that, you know, Gen Alpha it experiences 
great cultural diversity, uh, and they are a little bit more materially comfortable. Uh, and so I want to take those next, those two and put them together for this next one, uh, which is if we're going to, if we're going to pastor Gen Alpha, I think we need to, we need to reveal cultural reality to them and not just teach it to them, Mm -hmm. but they need to actually experience it. Uh, what, this is another, you know, feather in the cap of the mission teams that Derek and I love so much. Uh, if we have, like we have students that love exploring different cultures. Sweet. Let's dive into that and and do a mission team. They're mm-hmm. going to be excited to go to another part of the world and experience a different culture. But we know that one of the things one of the reasons we want to do this is to take them outside of their comfort zone like we said, but also we need to open their eyes a little bit to see like not everybody lives like you do. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has the on-demand streaming services. Not everybody has a concrete floor in their house. Mm-hmm. Like there are serious differences here that we need to uh, make sure that our students see and understand that like they want to go spread the gospel. That's great. But we need to bring some perspective into their lives when they're younger yep. so that as they continue to make pushes for the kingdom of God, they're doing it in appropriate ways i guess i'd say totally because it's it's one thing to feel compassion when you hear stuff but when you see it with your own eyes there's there's something that sticks and i'd also say this even if you can't get your kids on a mission team to a thrilled world country or whatever that is create opportunities in your ministry to serve your community you know kyle and i both know in our community there's a place where you can it's a it's a food bank if you will where you can stuff meals like do something like that if you don't have something like that if, if there's a football field uh, in, in your town, say, hey, our students like we'll clean up Friday night after the game. We'll pick up the popcorn. We'll pick up all the trash. We'll take them all out. Give them opportunities to show humility and the art of serving because it is critical that they see it's not all just pearly gates and concrete floors. I mean, there is a, another side of it. And I would even say that that bakes into faith too. Like they need to see that not everybody grew up in the church and has this bedrock of a faith that they do. They need to see that there's other parts of the world that are very lost spiritually as well. Yep. And that that's, that's critical. Um, here's the last one that I think kind of skates under the radar, but we've talked about this in excess on this podcast as well. We're not trying to sound like broken records, but I think it does show credence to the fact that this is an ongoing thing. And that's this, you have to pastor their parents. You have to remember their parents are millennials now. We no longer have parents that are Gen Xers or baby boomers. Their parents are millennials. So let's remember what are millennials? Like what's, what are their characteristics, good and bad? Good, they're world changers. They're self-motivated. They, they want to go and do things that are great, but they are inquisitive truth seekers. Our grandparents and their parents, they grew up in the sense of the Bible is the authoritative yeah, word it was of God. A given. You you believe this because it's the Bible. Guess what millennials don't have? This. This is no longer an absolute truth to them. So as such, what are they not going to pass on to their kids? That same concept. And so we have to understand that it's our role as youth pastors to do one of two things, or both actually, give parents an opportunity to grow in their faith, whether that's parenting classes, whether that's, hey, come and see what happens on a Wednesday night. Invite them into the experience. Invite them to be youth leaders if you feel like they could be a good fit. Do something to where you can intentionally pastor their parents, but also do this. Understand that their kids may lead them to Christ. Like I, We have had this happen in our church even recently where it's like kid comes to youth group, Here's the gospel is transformed by it now invites mom and dad to come to church. They've never been to church before. And it's like, you now have a teenager who's leading their family to Christ. And so take that moment seriously, teach them the word, teach them spiritual disciplines, teach them how there is these on ramps to their own faith with God, understanding that they might be the way to get their parents into the door. And here's what I'll also say as a lead pastor. Now, when your student brings mom and dad to church, 
you bust your butt to make an effort to connect with those parents, mm-hmm. which is, again, that's not a new concept, right? Like that's something we've talked about on this podcast, but like you have to understand that it is not a given that mom and dad have a faith anymore. And you have to understand that you now have an obligation to help establish a spiritual foundation, not just for your students in your, in your youth ministry, but in the four walls of their home as well. Yeah, we've done, uh, I, I've done a few, uh, events from, from time to time that are actually geared toward parents. And I think that that is in the right context. I think that that's something that you as a youth pastor can do where, you know, what, if, if you have some parents, you know, a group of parents that, that go to church, okay, Hey, let's, let's talk about parenting. Let's talk about, you know, biblical parenting. Let's uh, bring somebody in that, that can speak to that a little bit. Uh, preferably somebody who has older kids uh, that, that has been through it. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity, uh, to, to do that. I've, I've seen the same thing with our youth students where, you know, student comes to church and, and parents start coming to church. Uh, the statistics on it are terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we've shared in the past that, uh, if, if the student is the first person in their family to start coming to church, there's a 3% chance that the entirety of the rest of the family is going to become Christian. 3%. Uh, 3%. Yes. Uh, I believe it's like 13%. If mom is the first one to come, it's a 13% chance that the rest of the family is going to become Christian. And if dad is the first one to come to church, it's like 94% chance that everybody else is going to become Christian. And so uh, make friends with dad and uh, (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and invite him. Uh, But it is, I mean, you're going to experience that with students. And so uh, have opportunities. Not that you have to do all these parent events, but I'd, I'd say just make yourself available, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's on Sunday mornings or or just little windows where, where you can make yourself available to connect with the parents uh, of your youth students, especially the ones who, who don't go to church themselves. Uh, just building those bridges and planting small seeds is, is oftentimes where that starts. Uh, someone wiser than me once shared... The you know they they would talk about how uh, you know on average it takes like uh, I'm making up the number but it takes 31 people to bring somebody to Christ mm-hmm. and the first person thinks they did nothing and the last person thinks they did everything. Oh my gosh! And in reality, <laughs> every little seed planted and watering of that seed and shading it from the sun and yeah. fertilizing it all you know weeding it. All of those things mattered along the way. Mm. You don't know where you're going to be on that on that line. Uh, you could be number two. You could be number thirty-one. You mm-hmm. could be number fourteen. Uh, you know, be faithful to build those bridges and build those relationships yeah. where you can. And and God will open a door if He sees fit, when He sees fit. Holy buckets, that's good. I like that a lot. That's, See, what we that's why we're experts in our field. Obviously, yeah. Because <laughs> um, we could just quote other people, but not give them credit because we don't know who said it. Um, yeah, all I know is it wasn't me. That's what matters. Uh, don't give me credit. But uh, before we go, we have one last thing that I want to say, uh, not related to this episode, but next week we are dropping one of the most fun episodes that we have ever done. Uh, it is going to be a blast. It is potentially going to be heretical. Uh, who knows? Uh, we'll see. Uh, we might have some Marvel characters making appearances uh, in conversation, not with I'll the actual in actors. Person. But, Let's go. You know, uh, it's it's going to be a really fun episode, so I'd highly encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, and make sure that you get your questions in for our AMA episode. That'll be uh, a few weeks from now. But uh, on behalf of Derek, uh, it's been a great episode. I think it's about time that I go uh, get three or four more translations of my Bible. Goodbye. Goodbye.